episode 194 of Life's on Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, along with Blake Schenkel and Phil Ramsey. Guys, hello. Hey, Jim. Hey, good to see you. You too. Phil? Good to be here. The band is back together. It is. It's it's, it's good to see you guys. Yep. Man, a few words. Yep. Uh, <laughs> if you'd have listened to last two Sundays, you know that was wrong. Well, that's true. Last week, you had all the words. <laughs> You did a fine job, by the way. And actually, it was so good, we, we played it again last another week. week. It was so great, we had to, we had to get in there. You know, I listened to it last week on the way to church, and I listened to it again. Mm. Did you hear anything that you didn't hear the week before? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was really good. And I, and I told Blake that the second half was... It's all good, but the second half was really good. I hope people yeah. got a chance to listen to that. What was funny was that I was prepared for the second half of it, and uh, <laughs> I realized that I went back to our old podcast to make sure which scripture we were on, yeah. and I probably shouldn't tell this, but I'm anyways. So then I realized, oh, we forgot these two verses as well. I thought we'd already covered those, so yeah. it wasn't an immediate scramble for it, but I, I was more prepared at this point for the, right. the, the later scriptures as far as submit and obeying your your leaders. But anyway, it was a good word, and uh, hopefully was. that we did it justice. But yeah, two Sundays in a row it ran, but this Sunday we're going to get us a new one in and actually finish it up. Yeah. Phil and I were both... Uh Pretty uh, got tied down in, later in the week, a couple of weeks ago. So you decided to do it on your own, and then this past week we were all three yeah. just could not get together, and and so. But it, it's working this week. We're 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 back together, and hopefully we won't miss a beat. Uh, I know Phil will not miss next week because we're finishing Hebrews this week. That's the goal today. <laughs> we're wrapping up Hebrews, and we're moving toward the Book of Romans. But we're not going to be in it for a couple more weeks. Uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to start. We're going to do just some individual studies, and Phil's got next week's individual study, which he'll talk about later on in the show, so I know he's not going to miss next week. Oh, it's going to be good. I'm excited. Since y'all overruled me on what book we're going to do next. You so. just, the book you wanted to do was John. Yeah. So you're going to do John can next week. Can I tell week? him now? Can I, can I get excited? Man. I'm just excited. If you ask the average person the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, when we go to the football games, all the football players, well, at the end of the game, we circle around and they say the Lord's Prayer. What do you think they normally say? Our Father. That's Lord it. Heaven. Well, that's the that's disciples' prayer. Right. Great, great prayer, but not the Lord's Prayer. Right. Uh, that's what we should be praying because it's talking about sin and we know Jesus never said And that's why it's not the Lord's <laughs> Prayer is because it's the Lord's model to prayer, but it's not his prayer because he never once prayed that prayer. So next week we're going to study the Lord's prayer. John 17. If you've ever wondered what Jesus Christ is doing right now, you will find out next week. So make sure you tune in. It's yeah. going to, we're going to do something different also that we've never done before. We're going to do more than three verses. <laughs> we're going to read the whole chapter. So that's a prayer request. Okay, because we got to get through it. Because it's right. it's really if you, it's it, so meaty. Yeah, though. we it, it's it's a a four week deal for mm. sure. But here's our deal. I'm going to do John 17, and you're all going to work with me through that. The next week, Jimmy's going to pick out something that he's been on his heart, and then Blake will end it out with something that's been on his heart to kind of get us ready for Romans. Yeah, it's one of those things where uh, John 17, and I know I'm going to say this, and then we're going to jump into to today, but uh, the high priestly prayer is probably, there with, there's so many examples of prayer in the Bible 
But in my opinion, that is the greatest example of prayer in all of Scripture. It's the greatest prayer ever prayed, uh, the high priestly prayer. And I'm, I'm excited that, that you chose that for us to go through next well, week. Well, take your shoes off. We're in our studio here. Make sure you take your shoes off because we will be on holy ground next week. Mm. We are setting in the, a prayer between the Son and the Father. And it's going to be a holy time. And and, and Jesus prayed a lot in the scripture, but we never really, we got glimpses of things like at the tomb of Lazarus, but we never ever will experience or hear what we're going to hear in John 17. And it is And I would phenomenal. urge, since we already told you what it's going to be, I would, I would urge everybody to be studying through it. Uh, this next week, that way you can uh, you can be right there with us and and kind of understand some of what we're saying when we go through it. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. Awesome. So, right, Blake, fellas. how far did you get? Uh, you got through seventeen. Yeah, made it to the end of seventeen. That so. was huge, by the way. And I'd like to take a moment here. And since the only person at the table who's a pastor hmm. is Doctor <laughs> Pastor Hicks, Doctor. Did you realize this, Jimmy, that you are keeping watch over our souls, over the people that's entrusted to you at your local body, that you you have a major responsibility? I do. And I did realize that. That's why if you don't realize that, pastor, you shouldn't be a pastor. But uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> no, I did realize that. You know, funny thing is it's one of the things that I struggled with so much uh, when the Lord was calling me into the ministry and uh, and I was being quote unquote ordained into the ministry. That's one of the things that I struggled with so much is, God, what are you doing? Do I really want this responsibility? Do I want to be uh, held to a higher standard or, or even more accountable than than the sheep? And it, it was such a selfish thing for me to do. But I think every pastor has gone through that going into the ministry. Obey your leaders and submit to Jimmy. Right, but y'all don't. So y'all, <laughs> it's big stuff. Guys. Well, and it's 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 that's why it, not everybody can do it. Yeah, and it's up to us as servants, those that are under the sheep, you know, the that are under the under shepherds, to see to it that you serve with joy and that we don't grieve you as well. And that can be a difficult mm. portion. How would that? How side. would that look? Yeah, man. Well, uh, the submit, submit, and obey. Right, we, we Jimmy, if you you come to me and and say Blake, I, I need you to, uh, you know, I'm part if I'm a part of your congregation, I need you to um, uh, to do something for me. I need you to serve this way, right? Well, I should do it with absolutely. You know, let me pray about it. Let me let me serve you or serve up under you with joy. Let me be sure. joyful as well. But then there's all other things as well as I should be. Um, I, I should be in the Word myself and and be a model Christian myself so that I. Uh, represent you well. Well, and I'll go back to, to what you just said. If you're, if you're sitting under an under-shepherd, he's your pastor, and he's asked you to do something like you're talking about, and you do grieve, and you're not and you are upset about it, or you don't want to do it and submit to that authority that God has distinctly put in your life, then the problem's not necessarily with the pastor. The problem is, is with you. Mm-hmm. If your pastor is biblical, if your pastor is yeah. is leading uh, the correct way, right. according to God's standards. Now, if he's not, hey, you know, God's put multiple. There's false teachers. The Lord, the, the the Bible talks about false teachers, and you know, God's put multiple pastors in place in different congregations. And if you can't submit to one, you got to be able to submit to. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do. But but if your if your pastor is biblical and he's following the Word of God, and that's where God's got you, and you can't find yourself being able to submit to Him, the problem's with you, not the pastor. Yeah. But if you can't submit to Him, 
because he's being unbiblical, and right. th- then that's a different issue. Right. And I can ago. grieve you in other ways as well. As as one, I can by not. Uh, I mean, by by constantly sinning. Right. I mean, one of the if I'm going out and, and I say I'm a representative of of Christ or representative of whatever church, and I'm but I'm yet not I'm acting like the world. Right. I mean, I'm going to mm-hmm. constantly grieve you, not give you joy too. And so, and then he says, for this would be unprofitable for you. So we know that your joy it mm. profits us. Right. Amazing word there. It was just great to be able to break that down right there. So, yeah, yeah, uh, good deal. So we're back at 18. Uh, Let me read 18, maybe 19. Yeah, 18, 19. Then we'll pray and we'll we'll break it down. Uh, Hebrews 13, 18 and 19. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience, desiring, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things and i urge you all the more to do this that i may be restored to you the sooner father we just thank you uh, for these uh, next few minutes that we have to look at your word we just pray that uh, that we our goal every week is uh, to to uh, divide it rightly lord and we lean on your spirit your perfect spirit to to teach us as we do this. Lord, we pray for our, our audience today that maybe they will uh, will learn more about you and uh, not keep it to themselves, but take it wherever they go and tell everybody they see who you are and what you've done. Again, we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Pray for us. Who said that? Well, the writer, obviously. <laughs> that is Paul, correct? Well, see, when <laughs> you know, the more I read this, I'm like, sure I'm, I'm, I just, close, I'm, I get, I'm defaulting to Paul. That's exactly time. what I was getting ready to say. Is I'm this, about to relook at that. This text that we just read, especially verse 19, is is one of the biggest reasons people would say that it was Paul. Pray so that I be restored to you. So it gives you the 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 feeling that okay, he's writing this from prison. You know, pray so that I will be restored to you soon. That's the that's the thinking that you take from it i think at least i do uh but you got to remember other other people who have been tagged with possibly being the author luke uh barnabas they were all in prison too so you know if this is him saying that and that's what he means pray so that i might be restored to you soon it could be any any one of those cats and another thing we'll bring up when we get over here a few more verses we're talking about our brother timothy who is a disciple of paul Mm. So when we started off this, I said it definitely wasn't Paul, but I definitely would not say that now. I just couldn't. I don't have a piece. Right, well, you know, I, I would say I, I don't think it's Paul. I mean, I would be. I know you have a, you're struggling with it, but I, I I would say for sure that I think it's not Paul. Of course, I don't know for a fact. I'll, I'll know the second I hit eternity who it was because that's kind of like the first question I'm going to ask. Like, who wrote Hebrews? Yeah, I know. That's perplexing us. Come here, Jesus. Come here, Jesus. Talk a Sidebar here. But, uh, you know, if you if you take and look at, at the... Blake just made a point a minute ago off air uh, that, that our listeners didn't hear, but it is some of the most sophisticated Greek that, that was ever used in any book or any letter. I mean, even more sophisticated than Paul's other letters. So if, if it is Paul, it's really a different style of writing mm-hmm. if it is Paul. That's why I lean toward more so Luke than anybody else because Luke 
was probably the smartest of the writers, you know, and the most mm-hmm. intelligent. That's why I lean towards him. But also, I have a big feeling that it could be Barnabas as well, uh, because if you look uh, in in right there at the very end, in the last, we're, we're going to read that today. But uh, uh, he, he talks about encouragement in, in in the very last verses, and that's the definition of the of the name Barnabas, son of encouragement, is what mm-hmm. Barnabas means. And so, if that's how he signed his letter. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So then then that's a possibility as well. But, you know, I lean more heavily toward Luke, but I could be wrong. I mean, ultimately, like we said, we don't know. We don't right. know. And we'll There's find out sometime. Great theologians who'd, who have been discussing this for years and we still don't know, right? That's right. But I'll tell you one thing we do know is we do we can go back to letters we know where Paul wrote, and we can see similar things here. First, First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 25, speaking of uh, pray for us, he says here, brethren, Pray for us. You know, as he's closing here, brethren, pray for us. And then also in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And what does he say? And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. So, I mean, Paul constantly talks about praying for us, mm. right? We And we know this writer here as well. He's saying, pray for us, us leaders, right? So we know he was a leader of this congregation. And we're going to get in 19 where he, you know, he's wanting to be reunited with them. Well, I got it. The Lord, the Lord just told me oh, something. Oh, good. I know who wrote it. Who? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> he did do That's, that. Now, can, we, can we agree on we that? Can we agree on we that. can agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience. Mm-hmm. Here we here, We've talked about this word before, uh, conscience. Everybody has a conscience, by the way. Agree? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. This is, uh, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, you have a conscience. And, 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 and everybody is different as to what the state of their conscience is. There's some that have, you know, good active consciences that are, that are, uh, that, that convict them when they do wrong. There are some, and that which, which you would call, you know, probably where, you know, God works through the Holy Spirit works through that, the conscience of a man. But there's also those with seared consciences that you know would fall under the category of lost or unbeliever that have sinned to a point of their conscience being seared and we have those with uh, a conscience that's defiled in titus 1 5 mm. so everybody has a conscience even the unsaved person has a conscience he has a built-in sense of right and wrong but here's the deal his conscience is defiled once you've been born again you have a conscience your conscience is as a saved person. It's like it's like this, Jimmy. If I said something to you and I knew that I was lying to you, right? And I'm a saved person. Guess what? I'm the most miserable person in the world. At least I would be. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was lost, if I if I lied to you, guess what? It'd just be another one of my conversations I have all the time when I lie to everybody. So when you're saved, uh, again, the, the, a lost and saved person has a conscience. But when you're saved. There has been a work in you. You're a new person. You're not the same person. You're a new creation, a new creature in Christ. So there is a difference, I believe, in a saved man versus a lost man. Mm -hmm. Our conscience isn't defiled. A lost person is. So we know right and wrong a lot more than a lost person does. Agree? Well, 
Yeah, I, I, that's really hard for me to to put a explanation on what I'm what I believe about that. Do I believe a lost person knows right and wrong? I think so, but I think the conscience defiled and sears uh, or seared would give them a different view on it. So, yeah, I know it's wrong to commit adultery, but I don't care. I know it's wrong to steal from these people. I know what's wrong, but I don't care because I'm not being convicted because my conscience is defiled and seared. That's it. So you see what I'm saying? So they know just like we know, but they don't care where a person, a saved person, a believer has the Holy Spirit within them and their conscience is active and they do care Let because me, that's that's where conviction. You see what I'm saying? Titus 1 to the pure, all things are pure. Okay, listen, to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, that's a different person there, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between a saved person and a lost person. Pure and defiled. Both have consciences, one's defiled, one is in a better situation than the other. But I think if you go back to where God talks about, or Paul talks about, well, obviously God talks about it, but um, where, where the, the the law is written on man's heart, I think we, like what you were saying, I think we know, a saved person and a lost person both know the difference between right and wrong because it's been written on our hearts. But the difference is is caring. You know, we have a conviction as saved people, as believers. So we desire if we screw up, we can't we, we, we hate it. You know, we don't like it. Like I said this morning, you as a saved person, you'll never be at peace with your sin again. But a lost person who has a seared or defiled conscience, they're at peace with their sin because they don't care. It doesn't bother them, even though they know it's wrong. It doesn't bother them. Well, the writer and others pray for us. That's plural, by the way. Well, he's speaking of him. I believe he's speaking of him and his congregation. It's okay, kind of pray what for I us. pray for. You know, him as the leader. You know, our church, our congregation here. Well, one thing for sure, they got a good conscience. How can somebody have a good conscience? That was going to be my next question. What is a blameless conscience? What is a good conscience? Well, Paul actually answers that in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. He says, For our proud confidence is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially towards you. So, I mean, Paul, you know, he, he's not he's not bragging here about you know how he has a blameless conscience he's not doing that there's there's a negative connotation to to that there could be a negative connotation to that but he's using it in the positive sense right he uses it to where he denotes that there's a legitimate confidence in what god has done in our lives as christians right and only us as christians can have that confidence there's right. a there's a good confidence here and so so the conscience it, it enables us to do to see what's right and wrong Right, and we're able to see what's right and wrong now, right. and and so it's like a it's like a rudder, right? That steers a big ship. It's a small thing that steers a huge ship, and that's what the con- well, I think uh, in, in First Tim- <laughs> well, but but Timothy talks about it. Well, Paul talks about it yeah. to Timothy in First Timothy. Yeah. Uh, talks about how it's it's it, well being being a shipwreck, right? Mm-hmm. We our 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 lives if we don't hold true to sound doctrine, our lives can be shipwrecked. It can be made shipwrecked, and some were. Right. Some were made shipwrecked. And so so I think here, if we look here, for we are sure that we have a good conscience. Okay, who's he speaking to? Well, we know they're Jews. 
We know they're Christian Jews, right? Okay, how can they have a good conscience? Well, they're coming out of this Judy, uh, this this system. Of, of Jewish, I mean, of all of uh, of all these sacrifices, all these rules, and he's saying, guys, you can, we can pray. We have a good conscience. Pray for us. Why? So that we can have a good conscience here. So that so that what Christ has done, that's it. That's done. We don't have to. Don't go to bed at night, or don't go and tell others to proclaim this, and then have a bad conscience. Proclaim it. Own it. Live it. Love it. And then and rest with that good conscience. Yeah, I think if you read the rest of that verse, uh, pray for us. We're sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. And so, a clear conscience. What's a clear conscience? So you ask the question, and 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 I think it doesn't mean that we've never sinned. It doesn't mean that we won't ever sin. You're not perfect, right? Right. But I think it means the 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 underlying thing is it means that that the direction and motive of our life is to obey the Lord. Right. So we want to please God. So the acts of sin that we have um, are not habitual. You see what I'm saying? As, as it, with a clear conscience. So if you go to first John for one, he said, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sins, that's the sign of someone with a clear conscience is, is we're confessing our sins. We know we're not perfect, but we're going to mess up. We're going to fall. Also, the second side of that, I would say that a clear conscience would consist in someone being able to say that, um, Someone be able to say that there is nobody alive. There is no person that that can say that that I have offended them. You know, Phil can't say that I've offended him and not come to him and attempted to reconcile that. I can have a clear conscience that if I've ever offended anybody, and I've gone to him. I've tried to make it right either by asking forgiveness or to restoration or both. Mm-hmm. I think that is part of what a clear conscience yeah. would mean as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, is is you know we have a, we have a brother who's in sin, right? What does he say? Go to him. Well, let us go to him with with two uh, two or more, and let's speak of him. You know, there, there's there's checks and balances within our system, and and that brother may be upset at us for coming out coming to him and pointing out that sin and and disciplining him. But we can have a good conscience that that's what the Lord has told us. That we're to do. Your motive wasn't self-gain. It wasn't to elevate yourself over them by pointing out what they were doing in sin. You were going in obedience to the Lord, mm-hmm. and you because you did that, your conscience was was clean, yeah. was pure, was uh, was you were being faithful, right? Because your desire is for them to live honorably, for them to be restored to God, mm-hmm. so that God get you know, so that God's glorified. That's that's. That's what gives you a clear conscience, and that's your if your if your motive is is the glory of God. And if you went to them yeah. without with a messed up conscience, mm-hmm. your focus would be you, not him. That's right. You would be doing it for the wrong reasons. Well, they, the writer here uh, has uh, they have a good conscience, desiring to conduct themselves, conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And it, let's just go on. It says, and I urge you all the more to do this, that I may be restored. To you, the sooner. So he is anticipating coming back. He's anticipating yeah. coming back. I think. Well, the the prayer here is so that we have a good conscience, and there's, I think it's a twofold prayer: so that we have good consciences, that we serve the Lord honorably, but also, I was sorry, my notes were that we have fellowship. He wants to have fellowship with his brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in Christ. 
That's what he's praying for me. He's urging. And and I think what we can see here is later on that the saints from Italy, somehow he's in Rome probably. You know, so he's separated from these believers, from his congregation. But he's, he's man, he wants to get back with them so much. Mm. And he says, therefore, I urge you all the more, the more to do this so that I may be restored to you. So I want to fellowship with you guys. I want to, mm. I want to, imp- these, these truths, man, how great would it be the writer of Hebrews is your leader, <laughs> right? I mean, as, yeah. as, a, as one who's in that congregation would love to be under that. Well, and, and, and two, notice that the, the, the urging here, the urging of, of prayer is is present tense. Mm-hmm. So it means it's not a one-time thing. It's a mm-hmm. continual need for the prayers of the saints. So he's asking, continue to pray for me. Continue to pray for me. I think if you're a leader, that you don't need to have, And I've talked to a pastor uh, that, that has said this before. I don't ever ask my church to pray for me because I, it seems selfish. Mm-hmm. Look here. That is the, the, the last thing that it is. I think a leader should never hesitate to ask for prayers of the from the people that he's leading. Because you're both, not only them, but you yourself as the leader, you're both going to benefit from them. Yeah. That no, makes sense. Yes. And, yes. You, and you, uh, you have the same struggles we do. You're, you're a pastor. But I would say even this, guess who's coming at you with both barrels? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Satan. Mm-hmm. And if he can take Jimmy down, he can take a lot of other people down. So, yeah, he's coming out the field, but I ain't. Well, I want to be as much threat as possible. You know, I really do. Uh, but he's coming after our leaders because they're influential. Mm-hmm. So we need to pray for them. Romans, uh, Paul says in Romans fifteen thirty. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them, that do not believe in Judea, and that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints. So we need to be praying for our leaders. Mm. They're they're tempted like we are. They're they're human. They struggle, uh, but Satan's coming after them, and we have got we have got to submit to them. We've got to pray for them, and uh, we got to be there for them. When we go later in the verse, uh, talking about restoring, uh, when he talks about uh, where he says, I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Um, this word restored in the Greek uh, means literally to restore to an earlier condition. So that's the context in which he used it. The word that he used means restored to an earlier condition. So it, it, it means to be given back or to reinstate something. You know, when we talk about restore, we can talk about restoring somebody's health. I don't think that's what he's meaning here. I think he's meaning, I personally think that he's talking about being restored back to the fellowship of these that he's writing to. Mm -hmm. I think this is someone that is in jail. That is being that has been in prison, which so many of the writers, New Testament writers, we've talked about already. Paul, Barnabas, Luke, they they were all found themselves at a certain certain times in jail, and so I think that's what he's saying and what he's meaning here. Well, uh, I don't know that could be, could not be. I don't think it really says. It doesn't, but, but it that's could. my that's my guess. We know that Timothy. We're going to get to Timothy in a minute. And he and I haven't read it yet, but he he's either is he in jail in these following verses? Let mm-hmm. me just yeah, I think uh, so, that so. Uh, brother who has been released. Yep. Take notice that our brother Timothy has been released. Okay, so he was in jail, and so that's why yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. part of the reason that I believe that's what he means by restoration. Is you know you've you've Timothy's been released, 
but I want to be released too. So pray, pray that I get to come be with you. And and I don't think it's Paul because we can. I don't know. I mean, we can beat that dead. We can beat that to to all the way. We need to keep going. I, I need to get away from who who's written this book. Do we need to move on to uh, thirty? Yeah, I mean, read Blake. Read twenty and twenty-one. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great Shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So this this. God of peace. Mm. Yeah, big time. So in the context of what you take the whole entire book of Hebrews into account here, what he's been expounding on the entire time is the better priesthood of Christ, the better covenant. This right here is, to me, definitely a, a reference to Christ being the better priest, the better covenant, the the God of peace. Well, what do we have peace of? What do we... What do we What's the peace, right? So if if there's peace, that means there was war, there was conflict at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. So God is the peace. So we're, Jimmy, you said it this morning. I mean, uh, in your sermon, we there is a conflict between us and God. Hmm? There's a dilemma here. That's right. We are enemies of God. As sinners, we are His enemies. So that's the conflict. Yeah. Would and you say that? Say that again. We are enemies of God. Most people don't really, and I say. We say that a lot, but most people don't think of of that because all you hear is if you hit God's one, love, yeah. And guess what? He is. That's There's right. that's the word that describes God. That's an attribute. Yeah, to the to the max, God is love. He was love before he even created hmm. the Trinity. You can't love. You got to have somebody to love. Hmm. That's verification of the Trinity. You don't right. love by yourself. But anyway, but this peace, yeah. this God of peace means that we were once enemies. And if now these believers yep. here, Hebrews, Jewish believers, yes. the God of peace to them is now meaning that we have peace with God through the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, That's through right. that sacrifice right. and our salvation and our justification, because we've been justified by our faith. We now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Amen. Right. Hallelujah. That's right. Outside of Christ, there is no peace mm. in Christ. Peace outside, no peace inside of Christ. There is peace. Absolutely. Right. God of peace outside of Christ is nothing but turmoil. That's it. Mm. So, yeah. what did this guy do? What did this guy do? <laughs> huh? He raised Jesus. He raised Jesus from the dead. That's right. right. So, 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 yeah. so he says, "Now the peace." So, the God of peace, Hebrew uh, or Jewish listeners, listen to this: Who brought up from the dead? Oh no! Oh, here comes the resurrection. Right, another point of resurrection. The great Shepherd of the sheep. Who's that? Jesus Christ. Right through the blood of the eternal covenant. I stop there for a second. Help me mm. figure this out. Through the blood of the eternal covenant. All right. So I was trying to think through this a little bit. So this eternal covenant had to be set from the beginning. Correct? If it was an eternal covenant, it was I know it's I know it was a, we're talking new covenant now, but it was through the blood of the eternal covenant meaning it's happened. Well, it was said in Genesis it 3. Was, yeah, 3:15 exactly right. The, the God of peace the God of peace is going to soon crush Satan under your yeah. feet. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the that was when it was all set in motion. That's the only eternal covenant ever made in Scripture. Every other covenant was a conditional covenant with an expiration date. That's right. But the covenant God made in the garden, mm. 
that was the eternal covenant covenant uh, when he spoke of uh, right. the coming of Christ. Yeah, hey, man. Yeah, I know, right? That's good stuff. I, so the etern- I do too. I mean, the eternal <laughs> covenant set before time is the note that I have. I mm. think it's set before time, obviously. Yeah. We know it was even before Adam and Eve walked the earth, right? Even before God. Yeah, I agree because with our names were written in the Lamb's book of life before the the beginning of time. Not only, and, not only the lamb was slain before the world was ever created. Mm, so something's going on. Something here. is. Something's big. So this is an eternal. Yeah, this is an eternal covenant. And then, then Jesus, our Lord. So uh, th- this is the energy that we have here. This is where it comes from. And this is. There's a song Jeremy Camp put out. The same power. The same power that raised the God or Jesus from the dead is the same power that now lives in you. Mm. That same power, and we're going to go in here into 21, is what equips us. So, yeah, that same power, that's what he's getting at. He says, Jewish listeners, those Christians, it's not your power anymore. It's the power. This is where your power comes from. This is who energizes you is from the God. Oh, check this out. He raised someone from the dead. He can raise you from the dead. That's big time. Mm, big absolutely. time. Ezekiel thirty seven twenty six. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them evermore. Mm-hmm. You can take peace in that. An eternal covenant. So moving on to 21, so we know this God of peace, what does it do? What does this energy do? Where does this come from? What is it helping us with? 21, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And amen. That's a huge verse right there. Hope we can do it justice here. But equip you. I wanted, As I was studying this, if you go back to the original Greek here, all right, so the, the original Greek, Greek means to means to reset a bone that is out of place. Okay, that's kind of what this picture is talking about here. So it's 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 reset a bone that's been dislocated. So, all right, think about this. What what bone has been dislocated here? So by the fall, right? The fall, it uh dis we're dislocated from the God, from our God. So all our bones are out of joint. And 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 they're out of joint for doing God's will. So he says, let us equip you. God is going to equip you, meaning I'm going to put your bones back together. I'm going to put them back in the joint. So what? So that you can do his will. That's what he says. His power, his might, the one who raised Jesus from the dead is the one who equips us so that we can do his will. It's impossible to do this on your own, by the way. This life that we're called to live in your own strength, not going to happen. God's got to do it. I mean, you have to do it. But as you, if we read the next verse, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Well, we've read that somewhere before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Philippians 2.13. It says uh, here, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Almost verbatim there. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the same thing. So God works in us for his will. And, and, and Ephesians talks so much about this as well, that, uh, you know, we've been saved because it's all according to his will and it's all for his good works and his good pleasure. We can talk about that for, for forever. But, you know, the big thing is, is that is that, you know, God has saved us through the blood of Jesus. 
He's raised him from the dead, brought him back, and and, and has appointed him the great shepherd of the sheep. And, and now he's equipping us with, with everything good so that we can walk in his will, so that we can know his will, walk in his will, and he can work in us. And, and that's the only thing that's ever going to please him is him working through us. Because everything else, you know, Scripture calls anything that we try to do in our own power and in our own effort is filthy rags. Mm-hmm. And so it's him working through us. That's the only thing that's ever going to please him. Uh, and, and that's where he gets right here to whom be the glory forever and ever. Mm. It's for his glory, yeah. for his glory. That's right. OK, so God equips. Right. Here's the sovereignty portion. God equips us. However, we still must do the work, right? There's still work to be done. So there's a man's responsibility here as well. So we have sovereignty and we have man's responsibility. You see it all throughout the Bible. Yes, exactly. And uh, so we're the vessels that God uses to do his will. All right. means, and, and it doesn't mean, and Jimmy, I think you had an article. As I was reading your article for the, uh, uh, this past week, you had sent to me. Here's what this means. It means the Christian life is not us living. Right. It's not Phil living. It's not Jimmy living anymore. It's God living through us, as mm-hmm. we've already stated. Right. So uh, but it's not like we're trying to do the best for him, but it's the spirit of Christ living in us and through us. Right. So it's not us trying to just, oh, if I just don't sin anymore, that's not it. It's it's allowing us to be the vessel. It's opening ourselves up and allowing the spirit to work through us to do his will. So there's a there's a sense of discipline in there. There's also a sense of of openness to the spirit to allow that to happen. Right. Or And he's going to do that as a Christian. He's going to do that. He's that powerful. And, and we're just the hands and the feet now of that message to be brought and, and to be brought to the people to to be brought to those who are who are unsaved to this this unclean world it's a supernatural thing that's happening here right so who Blake who lives your Christian life well it's not me because I wouldn't be able to live that Christian life well, I who does be, it well it, it's it's the spirit who lives who works through me yet there is a responsibility upon so my side as yes. well yes that's exactly <laughs> I knew where you were going on that uh, somebody I heard somebody yeah. say that well it's, it's like Paul you know and you, you're not going to blame God for all this sin stuff you're that's doing that's right so it's really a, a both and it's, well he gives you the power that's right right but there's also a. I heard John Piper put it one time to ask that same question that you just asked: Who lives your Christian life? And his answer wasn't. It's you know you can split hairs here, but he says, you know, the Holy Spirit lives your Christian life. If you, if you're sinning, then that's not the Christian life. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's you living your that, fleshly yeah. life. So so the, your Christian life is the Holy Spirit. The that's fleshly right. life it's you. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but it takes both, and that's I think that's some mystery in there as well. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, let's read twenty two through twenty five. Jim, how about you reading for us today, brothers? I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written you only a short letter. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all God's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. So short, short letter. That's great. We've been well, doing that, this for two years. That, that's what I was getting ready What's to say. What's this writer talking about? I'd hate to see. I think I found an error in the Bible. This no. ain't been no short letter. I hate to see what he calls a long letter. <laughs> I think somebody said it takes 45 minutes to read mm-hmm. if yeah. you read it just the letter it's actually, itself. It's actually short compared to a lot of other writings in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But boy, how deep is it? It's yeah. short. It ain't but a lot less than 10,000 words, probably. But it's probably one of the deepest, most meaningful letters mm-hmm. in all of Scripture. You get Hebrews, 
you'll get set free. Mm. Well, he says that he actually had more to speak about in Hebrews 5.11 and, and several other places, Hebrews 9. Uh, he talks about there's several more places where he, he could have spoke more, but mm. we know he was trying well, to briefly write I don't think I can deal this. with it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I am on the floor. Well, I don't know. I to, I but, but maybe more would have been helpful in exposing some of this. But, uh, maybe, but yeah, maybe. To us, it was nothing brief, but to them, I guess it was brief, because I'm sure, man, what, what wisdom this this guy, hmm. well, the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit used this man to, uh, uh, to bring to this congregation. My goodness gracious, bear with me. Bear with me this word. Endure with me this word that I've given you. What word? Well, can we can we sum this up? I mean, what word is he talking about? The exhortation that he's given us. Well, the whole book of Hebrews, basically, right? I mean, I think y'all wanted to kind of, would this be a good time to sum that up? Or do we want to just kind of wait till, the, till we finish well, this? Let's, let's, uh, you read it all. Just let, Let's look at here. It says, take notice. Our brother Timothy has been released. With whom? With whom, if he comes soon, I shall see you. Greet all your leaders, all the saints, those from Italy. Greet you. Grace be with you all. So Timothy was in jail. We know that. The same Timothy that I believe mm-hmm. Paul was writing to. Uh, preacher, Brother Timothy. Mm-hmm. Uh, his uh, protege, if you could say that. And and greet all your leaders who are in and all the saints. Those, from, those are from Italy. I think so. That, to me, that means that the writer was most likely in Rome. Mm-hmm. The time, and uh, then he just ends this with this beautiful uh, benediction: "Grace be with you all. Yeah. Grace be with you. Whose grace? God's grace be with you all." Well, you know, if we're going to wrap up, what a hey, what a book! Oh my goodness! You know what I'm saying? I am blessed. I could I could shout right now. That's I could it. probably cry right now. And we got you know 12 minutes to summarize what we've done. I don't know that we're going to be able to summarize it in, 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 well, we can summarize it in 12 minutes, but I think I can summarize it in a couple of statements. I mean, if you want to summarize the book of Hebrews, what is it about? What is it written for? And it's written to show a Jewish congregation who were, you know, Christ had been crucified. They were, this was this whole new Christianity movement was still fairly new. And some of these Jewish Christians who had been justified and saved were finding themselves reverting back to the law, back to the things that, uh, that they had been so accustomed to the sacrifices and all these things that they had been so accustomed to doing, uh, the works of the law. And so this author is writing and saying, stop it. You've been set free. You are set free. You've been justified, uh, by your belief in Christ. Now, let me tell you who Christ is. He's a better covenant. He's a better priest. He's the high priest. So everything to do with Christ is better than the old system and the old law. So stop it. Stop it. Quit it. You don't have to do that anymore. You're wasting your time. Yeah. Back then, fellow Jews, God spoke a certain way. He spoke through prophets. He did it many ways. He did it at different times. But listen to me. Now, today, and guess what? We are in the same age that the listener is in in Hebrews. There's nothing changed. We're in this age. Today, he speaks through a son. Now, we need to get that. You want to hear God? Read his word in these last days, the days that, that these Hebrews are in, the days that Phil Ramsey is in in 2018, he speaks only through a son. That's how he speaks. You want to know God? Read his word. Mm-hmm. 
That's how you know God. You want to hear God? Read it out loud. That's right. So he's doing it a little different than, than times past. God spoke through a certain method. He spoke to men, and those yeah. men told you what I said. But now he speaks to, now this veil has been ripped. And now you can go, Jew, you can now, this God that you're scared to say his name, mm. you're scared of getting his present, presence, walk in boldly to where he is mm. yeah. with confidence. It's, it's all about perspective. Yes. And I think that's this, this what the whole purpose of the book is, is about putting things in proper perspective. And that's what he's telling. It's like his illustration that I, that I heard a while back, uh, a, a college girl was in college and moved away from home was in college so she wrote her parents and she says look uh mom and dad you're probably going to be mad at me he she said but uh we had a fire you hadn't heard from me in a while so i wanted to let you know what was going on we had a fire in our dorm uh the other night it was destroyed but i'm okay i moved in with a nice guy and uh i think uh, he you know he's a nice guy he quit high school in 11th grade uh but that was just so he could get married uh, but uh, I think, uh, you know, him and I are seeing each other now. And so don't worry, he's divorced. Uh, so I think I might be expecting his child. Uh, so uh, it's okay. Everything's all right. Don't worry. He says, we're going to get married. And so the parents were just kind of, you know, they were reading this letter. They were in dis- disbelief. And then right down at the bottom of the page, the, the daughter says, don't worry. Everything I've written is a lie. Uh, there was no fire. There's no there's no guy. I just got a C in French and I flunked calculus. But I wanted you to put everything in the proper perspective. <laughs> it's really not as bad as <laughs> what, what, what I said. So so here's the thing. Uh, stick to preaching, Jimmy. The joke's a little Shut up. <laughs> it's, it's putting things in proper perspective and that's what this book has done hebrews has called the jewish christian the writer of this book has called the jewish christian to put things in their lives in the proper perspective right it's uh it's about the superiority of jesus right over everything else over the old testament system and everything so so when this was written what was still standing the temple. temple. This was written in 66 A.D., give or about 64, 65, 66. The temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. So Jewish priests were still killing bulls and rams and goats and lambs every single day. And so this document was written to the Hebrew believers who, who had turned their backs on this on, on their Jewish religious tradition because they were being ostracized. They were being persecuted by their family and friends. And some of them had had, you know, gone reverted back and they weren't, weren't sure what was going on. Uh, but they had come to believe in Jesus, but they were reverting back because they were being persecuted. And he's saying, look. Jesus is better. Yeah. He's the better system. He's the better covenant. He's the better sacrifice. He's he's better and higher than all of the angels. He's better than everything. What you've done by being justified by Christ and believing in Jesus is better than killing these bulls and goats on the altar. Stop doing it. Yeah. He's better. And he's better than Moses. He's greater than Moses. Yeah. Ooh, and that's a, hmm. So they had a hard time with that. He is what he's also rest. Come to come to him. Mm-hmm. The Jew never rested. Come to Christ. He is rest. Yeah, there was no rest in their system right. at all. That mm-hmm. was that was constant. Even Sabbath, right? We know what Sabbath was. That was the rest. Well, they they had turned that into a day of. I mean, it was just a constant work. That's all they were doing was just working. And the high priests, you know, we we dealt with the priesthood. Jesus, now those priests kept dying. Yeah, constant new priest. Jesus is. Our high priest mm. next week, 
John 17, we're going to tell you what the high priest is doing. Yeah. But Jews, let's hear it. He's the high priest. He's the final high priest. Not only is he the high priest, he's the sacrifice. Mm. So there's no more animal sacrifices here. Though That's over. We were warned against uh, those people that, who were who were coming very close to salvation and, and fully committing themselves to Christ. They were real close to falling away from what they're hearing. They were... Uh, becoming real close to be apostates. So the writer warned them of, uh, look, you've been enlightened. You've tasted. You partake of the Holy Spirit. You come, you've come to the edge. Now come all the way. Don't revert back, like Jimmy said, to this old system. This old system brings death. The old covenant brings death. The new covenant brings life. And so he's better than. He is the... Uh, he, we, we talked about redemption. We talked about the sacrifice once and for all. This is to never be repeated again, Jew. Mm-hmm. No more sacrifice. Jesus is the final sacrifice once and for all time. This is never to be repeated again. Right. Agree? Yep. Agree. What else? That he's the, you know, we talked about the better high priest. Um, I don't know where you've gotten in the in the context of you're just summarizing through the chapters, but uh, uh, we, we talked about running the race with endurance. Mm-hmm. We talked yep. about uh, uh, keeping your eyes uh, fixed Pump. on Jesus. And uh, yeah. Yeah. This word has been highly, highly practical in our Christian lives as well. I mean, there's so much application we can take from it. And, and going back to that final word he said here at the end of bear with this word of exhortation. What you know goes back to what do you what do you mean what are you exhorting here what has been exhorted what what how have you exhorted the congregation here and he's given several warnings throughout the whole scripture and some of them you've already t- touched upon but but he warned a, a lot about drifting away mm-hmm. from what you've heard you know he told told them don't we see that in the apostates mm-hmm. those who who've, who who are on the fence or have drifted away from that don't and and then he warned also about disbelief in the voice of God. And 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 also don't don't waver from the elementary teaching about Christ. We oh, see that goodness. in chapter five. Remember that well, chapter yeah, five. That was one of the ones Phil and I got in a fight over. Oh, great! I'm that glad I bring took, that up. That one took us about a month to get through because we we had some knockdown drag out from that one. I'm glad I come out after the fact. And so so just, these are some exhortations which clearly we need it as well. But then he's he's, he's also saying, look, uh, I'm warning you against despising the knowledge of the truth. Don't despise it. And and also don't devaluate the grace of God. And then also be careful about departing from him who is speaking. There's several exhortations he gives us through that. And and then he also he he exposits numerous Old Testament um uh, uh, scriptures throughout all this right he, he gives us this these there's so many old testament scriptures that are there and then he comes in and he he tell he kind of clearly shows us what this meant we see as you said jesus is the better covenant types and shadows if you want to go back and look at types and shadows this is the book that really clears them up and and how how could they man how could they do this how could they live this life well chapter 11 let me tell you about some folks that did it and so we yeah. were in the chapter about faith, about mm-hmm. all these people that they were very familiar with, how they ran the race. Not only did they run it, they were they completed the race. Mm-hmm. So they got great encouragement that this race, 
uh, of faith uh, requires endurance. You know, there's some endurance here. It's not going to be easy. Uh, and then that we've dealt with discipline. Oh yeah, God. Guess what? Mm. God. You know they 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 started losing. Hey, when you follow Christ, guess what? You started losing. Some of these cats lost their homes. Mm. They were forsaken by their families. They were thrown out of the synagogues. Some of them were cut in half. And then some of these reasons why a lot of these things were happening because they were they were getting off a little bit, and God stepped in and disciplined their. His children. Mm-hmm. So we learned about j- discipline. God, he disciplines those he loves. He doesn't punish. He disciplines. Jesus took our punishment. Yeah, that's right. God yeah. disciplines his children. Mm-hmm. So we know that this road, that we're this race that we're called to run, if you're looking for a uh, your best life now, and I'm not, mm-hmm. hey, with all of the suffering that goes along with it, guess what? It is. It's not your best life now because that's not good because <laughs> that just means uh, you don't have anything better coming in the future. Now, but I heard a, I heard a great quote about that one time mm-hmm. and you can probably you probably heard it, too. But he said, if it, if this is your best life now, then you're headed toward hell. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can. What I was trying to say that I butchered is <laughs> even though <laughs> even though you're living this life, you're losing your stuff, you're being persecuted, you're being uh, uh, the world hates you. Guess what? You can have joy. You can have peace uh, because your father loves you. Mm-hmm. And so don't jump ship when things don't go right. Let me tell you what Satan normally doesn't do. Those that belong to him, he don't jack with. Why does he want to jack with them? He's already got them. Yeah. So he's coming after us. And that's one of the things that we talked about a long time ago, Phil, is, and it still resonates with me as I talk to people every week. I, I remind them of this. Is, you know, you're not going to find Satan in the nightclubs. You're not going to find Satan out at the places where, where you're going to find a whole bunch of lost people. You're going to find Satan sitting right in the pews on Sunday mornings in the church because those are the ones that he wants. Those are the ones he's coming after. He's already got the lost people. What does he need to go? He, he, he was so what he's trying to do now. Now, even though you got saved people sitting in the pews of the church on Sunday mornings, he's going after the lost people who think they're saved in the church. Uh, but he's also trying to, to draw the saved people, you know, backslidden and, and that type of thing. Well, and he can, uh, he's out, he's out to destroy your reputation. That's right. Because if, if he can destroy your reputation, I, and I try to the best of my ability to, I don't try to keep a good reputation for feel, but I always guard myself against, uh, Satan and his fiery darts. Cause I know he's ready to take me down. Mm. And if he can take me down, and and I know I you know I'm out in the public a lot. I talk a lot. Uh, if he can discredit what comes out of my mouth, that's right. He know he can't get me. Look, I'm saved. I'm secure. God holds me. But he can ruin. He, he can ruin your witness. He sure can. And and there there. And if he's able to do that, he can't get you because you're God's child now. But he can render you ineffective for the kingdom. So guard yourself. Guard yourself. Well, it all boils down, fellas, to, to, to the very last verse. All boils down. Grace be with you. Look, that's all we need. Mm-hmm. That's all we need. We, we got to have it. We need it. We got Just like we need water to live, uh, you know, we, we got to have grace. Grace is, is a stream of living water. 
right? It's flowing through the desert, and, and, and it's got so much power that enables us to withstand every uh, every problem that would ever come into our lives. Um, and so it's it's where we rest, but it's also where we where we deal uh, or where we're able to deal with issues. And, it, and it's where we celebrate victories as well. Uh, so grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. That's what this all boils down to, fellas. Well, good word, Jim. Good book. I hate to see I, it go. I'm, I'm glad. I, I'm, mm. I'm glad we're moving on. But I, I like like I hate to see it go. Yeah. Hey, you know, like you said, you've made the statement several times. Whatever book we go through becomes our favorite, and this has definitely become. Yeah, I've grown more through this book. I think I have my whole life. Just to be honest with you, it's yeah. been really good. Yeah. Well, we can always go back and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was reading again. I was reading First John. Actually, today I'm like, let's go back and do that again. That's stuff. Oh my goodness. Well, what we've done, what we, what you realize when you get to the end, as as you get to the end and things begin to open up mm-hmm. for you, you realize, man, I really missed it in chapter two or chapter. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so we look in First John and we think, man, we really missed certain aspects of that. Let's go back and fix it. I was talking to a guy at, uh, the other day at the gas station, a little divine appointment, and uh, so I asked him. My my favorite question to ask, do y'all know what that is? Have you been born again? Yes. Where are you going to be in a hundred years? <laughs> I'll use that one too yeah. as well. That's a good one. Uh, where do you, where, how does man stand right before God? <laughs> no, that's yours. That's mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah I, yeah, I got saved when I was 12. Of course, I know him real well. I, I really do like this guy too. I pulled out First John and began to talk to it. And so some things were exposed and so we had a great conversation the gospel was laid out and then we're, we're supposed to talk again here real soon good about good. some realities but anyway look we got to get off the air uh, next week <laughs> we'll be cut us off yeah next week study john 17 the lord's prayer yeah uh take your shoes off i don't care if you're in your car i don't know if that's against the law or anything <laughs> or if you're listening at home uh take your shoes off we're going to be walking on some holy ground mm. and and set actually when jesus was praying this 11 disciples were right there with him mm. and so uh and, the, and then mm. and a few hours later it all it all the plan mm. played out just exactly like he said it would he controlled every second of it amen Anyway, mm. so goodness, how can they, uh, Jimmy, tell us about how they can listen and then close in prayer. Lifesongradio.com. Uh, you can pick up the program. Uh, you can listen to all the back programs, the the the, the back programs, the, the older programs, the backlog of. Uh, of that's sh- a producer coming in. That's a, what's uh, the, what's the, the backlog? What's the word that I'm looking for? The archive. That's what I was looking for. My goodness, I can't think. You can go and hear the archives, all the you know old, old programs, uh, and catch up. But uh, lifesongradio.com. You can also download our mobile app and find all of the places that you can listen to us. Uh, apps across all your cell phones. Uh, there's there's not a reason that you shouldn't be able to listen to us on on your cell phone, your mobile device. They're, we're everywhere. So, yeah, Blake, will you close us? Sure will. Our Father God, we just uh, come to you today, and we just thank you so much for this wonderful word you've given us, Lord. This word in Hebrews, this whole book uh, of Hebrews, and also the whole just the whole Bible, Father, your word. Uh, what amazing truth it is, God. We just lift you up and give you all the praise and glory, and we just thank you for the grace, Lord, that you've given us, Lord, that we don't deserve. The grace that we uh, we we have we can't earn. We definitely don't deserve it, Father, but you have graciously bestowed it upon us, and we just thank you for that, Lord. We just thank you for Jesus.
for that blood that was shed upon that cruel cross, Lord. But it, it, it so much happened there. God, we just thank you for him taking your wrath. That was for me. That was for all believers, God, and placing it upon him. Lord, we may not ever understand that, but we just thank you for that, Lord. God, we just thank you uh, for these gentlemen, for these men of God. We just ask that you just continue to pray. I pray pray for their ministry, that you continue to strengthen their ministry. I also pray for the listeners today, Lord, that if this word finds them... uh, in a lost situation, if if this word has has uh, pierced their heart to the point where they're just they're crying out to you and say, God, I am separated from you. I just pray, God, that the the love of Jesus just reaches down and saves them. Father, they understand that they're that they're uh, wretched before a holy God, and Lord, they uh, God, we uh, they uh, just cry out to you and trust in you and place their faith in you. Lord, we just thank you for the examples through all the Bible, Lord, that, that we may live our lives, uh, how we're to live our lives as Christians. Thank you for this beautiful word. Thank you for Jesus Christ. It's in your name I pray. Amen.